0: Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry, Angry Neighborhood, Neighborhood feminist.
1: feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspective.
0: Welcome. Good morning. So, well, it's morning for us. For us. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it'll be morning for you by the time you're listening but to this that's episode.
1: all that matters. Is that's right. for us.
0: That's right. We're starting the morning off right with some hard seltzer. Yeah. It's
1: actually not morning
0: morning anymore. It's yeah. noon, so I feel like this is acceptable. But
1: for me, it's like I had coffee, I didn't have breakfast, and now I'm drinking hard seltzer. I had
0: a bowl of Lucky Charms like an actual adult.
1: I want. I have peanut butter puffins at my house when I'm out of milk. Oh, man. I Like an actual adult. <laughs> I, I
0: had the... I, so I finished off the box of Lucky Charms today, and I had to, like, tell myself, like... No, never again. Like you have to stop
1: buying this cereal. They're real, I, okay. But if you compare it to some other cereals, like the sugar content with a lot of them, it's really not that bad.
0: I know, but like I just don't feel good about myself having marshmallows for breakfast. Like no. I was like, this is like
1: I'm the opposite. I'm I love like semi sweet stuff for breakfast. You like, are I like waffles. Anthony. And pancakes and cereal and peanut butter toast. Yeah. I can't just do, like, an egg first thing in the morning.
0: Oh, I much prefer savory breakfast, but I also like – I like sweet breakfast, too. Yeah, that's how Max
1: is, too. Yeah. Uh, I have to get, like – a sweet breakfast with bacon on the side, but I dip my bacon in maple syrup. Oh, man. I do that, too. Anthony thinks it's disgusting. It's so good. It is so good. I made... I know we're totally not on the topic of the episode right now, That's but... That's okay. I made, for Thanksgiving, I made bacon-wrapped Brussels sprouts. Mm. So you lay the bacon out when it's raw, and you um, paint on, basically, maple syrup, mm-hmm. and then sprinkle mm. some salt and yes. pepper on it roll the brussels sprout the whole brussels sprout in cut off the stem i'm giving you a cooking lesson yeah right no now. i like it and then you drizzle more maple syrup on top and a little bit more salt and pepper mm. stick it in the oven at 450 for a little bit done that's freaking delicious the other day i bought these little sliders that are
0: like holiday edition at Ooh. um at ralph's or whatever and they are hawaiian you
1: sliders at ralph's right
0: like just like in the boar's head section of the deli. Oh, they'll, they'll be like, you, so, they'll sell like three little sliders in a little plastic container. So it's
1: like re- pre-made or? You, yeah, pre-made that okay. you take on. I was picturing like you bought like frozen. No. Sli- I was like, okay. No, they're like you do, you Hawaiian
0: sweet rolls mm. that have a layer of cranberry sauce mm. and then ham and mm. then Swiss cheese. Stop. I was like, this is the best thing I've ever Stop. had. Anyway. Anyway,
1: so what are we talking about today? today?
0: Today we are doing another installment of fictional feminist favorites. Yes. Last time we both ended up doing Topanga, that was yep. quite a while ago. That was a long time ago. Um, and I've been wanting to do this again since then. I do think moving forward, this week we decided to do two separate,
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: which was our intention from the beginning. I think moving forward, we'll just do one and right. focus Unless on it. Unless
1: we have one that I feel like maybe I know more about or you you know what I mean? Because it's fun to talk about the ones that are like our own personal favorites, too. But I really did like sharing that episode and really yeah. going into one character.
0: Right. Just because it's it's good to hyper-focus on mm-hmm. one, especially if there's a lot to talk about about it. Yeah. Um, so... I think I go first this week. Yes, you do. And I am going to be talking about... I'm going to finish
1: off this seltzer.
0: Yes. (laughs) So this
1: week, I'm talking about this person. It's going
0: to be great. So I am talking about Lisa Simpson this week. Woot hoot. Now, before I actually start deep diving on Lisa Simpson, I kind of wanted to present um, some facts, as we did with the Topanga episode. Present your
1: thesis of Lisa Simpson, please. Well, but
0: before I even go into (laughs) that, I kind of want to talk a little bit about the representation of women in TV and movies. Mm -hmm. Because um, that is something that we touched on with some, you know statistics mm-hmm. from the Gina Davis Institute about the representation and presentation of women in TV and movies. Right. Um and so I kind of wanted to touch on that again. If you want those other statistics, I'm not going to repeat myself, so go back right. to that episode and and listen to that episode. But I think that this is something that's really important to touch on particularly in TV. So
1: Well, and I like it because both of ours start around the same time.
0: Right, yeah. Both yeah. of ours kind of start in the 80s. Yeah. And I think it's very easy for people to say that the representation of women is better all these years later, they're yeah. more present, and while that is true... Um, While there are clearly more female writers, producers, directors, and even characters in TV and movies today, there was a study called Boxed In 2015 to 2016 Women on Screen that found that 79% of programs feature casts with more male than female characters. Yeah. The women... Um, only comprised 39% of all speaking characters. And the percentage of characters featured on a broadcast network program
1: has not changed over the last decade. It's interesting because when I think about certain shows that I watched growing up, when you were explaining this, I was thinking a lot about, like, Sabrina the Teenage Witch... Or Clarissa Explains It All, which is mm-hmm. both the same person. Right. Um, Melissa Joan like, Hart, shout yeah, out. Shout out. And what were some other ones that I was thinking of? A lot of these shows that are based around women, especially Sabrina the Teenage Witch, where it's like the three main, four main? Three main characters mm-hmm. are all women, and they're witches, and it's like that whole thing. Where I feel like that kind of went away for a little bit, and we had a lot of very male-dominated shows. I could be completely wrong, but well, it, more so in my life of like the shows that I watch, I
0: think... There was this kind of faux girl power, mm-hmm. faux, faux feminism was very big in the 90s. Mm-hmm. That whole like Spice Girls, while I think it was totally needed yeah. for us to see that, you know, and have that kind of girl empowerment moment during yeah. like the third wave of feminism in the 90s, right.
1: I think a lot of it was kind of like faux feminist Yeah, but in a way, like when I think about the women on TV shows. That I watched growing up, even in cartoons, like I think about like Hey Arnold, which is like one of my favorite shows of all time, like they had a very vast array of girl characters where it's like there isn't just one way to right. be a girl. I, I or think, recess. I love I'm wearing my spinelli hat. Yeah, today. I loved recess. I,
0: I think that what this study is is saying though, is, and we touched on this whenever we talked about um Disney, is that even if the protagonist is a woman. Right. Most of the supporting characters or cast is male. That's or true. in, you know Or the writer. Anyone who's listening to this has already seen the title of this episode or seen, you know, what we're doing. So we can kind of say that Madigan is doing Elaine. Yeah. Elaine is a really good example of one strong female character in a Amongst cast of men. All men. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? So while we're presented with these kind of like powerful female characters, they're yeah. often the only one or one of the only ones yeah. in the entire show. But
1: it's great because they have to be, they're, they're still not portrayed as these passive female characters. They're Absolutely. They're still very much portrayed as very powerful, yeah. strong, I can keep up with you kind of characters.
0: Yes, but I do think we just need to be aware of that trope. Totally. Of like... You're presenting Elaine in particular, and we'll get to this when we talk yeah, about yeah, her. Yeah. But Elaine in particular is presented in some episodes as having female friends, uh-huh. but you almost never see them. You only see them in episodes when it's meant to like push the plot forward, and right. usually it's because what one of her male friends wants to date, date them, them. you yeah. know. So, and then they never show up again. Then they're gone from her life completely. Yeah. You know, so uh, it's just an interesting thing. Okay, so. Let's go in on Lisa. Let's
1: venture. <laughs> so, oh, do you remember that I wasn't allowed to watch The Simpsons when I was younger? You were not. I've talked about it on the show before. I blocked that out of my, my brain. My mom did not want me to watch The Simpsons. Why? So I would. We had this tiny, tiny, tiny TV on my porch. She was weird about like picking and choosing what I was allowed to watch because like we would watch a lot of things that like were PG thirteen things like that. But I think maybe she had never watched it and had an idea about it that would be bad for me
0: my mom let me watch the simpsons but she didn't let me watch
1: friends that's funny. Mm-hmm. No, I... Yeah, so I remember, like, sneak watching The Simpsons because I was like, I'm bad. But then I think once she saw me watching it, she was like, okay, yeah, it's fine, whatever. You know,
0: it's funny because I do remember a lot of kids my age... You fell into one of two camps. You either fell into the camp of my family, which is, like, it was something that we almost planned our evening around. Yeah. Is watching The Simpsons. I remember we weren't allowed to, like, eat on the carpet in the living room. But you know, the kitchen would lead up to the living room, and there was tile. Yeah. And my dad—it was actually something that we would bond over my dad with because yeah. he would let us sit on the tile, on the tile, right at the edge of I the um, right at the edge of the carpet with our our meal, yeah. and watch the Simpsons. I love it. So it was actually something that you I bonded
1: with my dad over cartoons too. Yeah, I, love it. I
0: didn't have you know a strong, still don't have necessarily like a super strong relationship with my dad, but that is one of the things mm-hmm. that we bonded over. Mm-hmm. A lot of people weren't allowed to watch the Simpsons, but I would argue that. While it does have its raunchy moments, it's actually really progressive in Very. a lot of ways. Yeah. And Lisa Simpson, in particular, is amazing. Amazing. She's probably one of the best role models on TV. Yeah. I would make that argument. Yeah,
1: totally. So. Sorry, I didn't mean to interject. Oh no. I just wanted to, like, remind you that, like.
0: No, that's good. <laughs> I, I think that's great. I. I mean, I don't think it's great you weren't allowed to watch (laughs) The Simpsons, but I think... It was
1: for a short amount of time. I think once my my mom realized what the show was, she was like, okay, it's fine.
0: Yeah. So The Simpsons have been on TV longer than any other scripted TV show. Yeah. They've surpassed Gunsmoke in the last, like, couple of years as the longest-running TV show. They've been on for over 30 years, I think, at this point, or right about 30 years. Right. And Lisa has grown and evolved in Mm -hmm. that time, But what I can say about my own relationship with Lisa Simpson is that she was probably the first example I saw in the 90s of not only a feminist character, but a feminist character that was portrayed in a pretty positive light. Yeah. And not only a feminist portrayed in a positive light, but an activist. Yeah. She was allowed to be political, and I think partially why is because she was this little precocious eight year old girl yeah, so it was almost non threatening, but she was one of the most um activisty kind of characters i've ever seen, even yeah. even now, and yeah. her activism was really portrayed in kind of a um very natural way.
1: Yeah, it, I mean, there were moments I remember of like the parents saying, like, "Oh, you're not going to get a man that way," and she's like, "Who needs a man?" And yeah, you know, I'm fine. Kind of yeah. yeah, she
0: was very third wave feministy yeah. in a way that like Marge is very second wave feministy. Yeah, like, totally. They, that's a
1: great way of putting it. Yeah.
0: Um. There was an article. That's not my original thought. Okay. There was an article. Um. <laughs> I'll still give you kudos. Thank you. Where they talked about that, where mm-hmm. it's like you you get flashbacks of Marge where she's burning her bra and she's reading, mm-hmm. you know, Bitch magazine and she. She is um, this, like, second-wave feminist. Yeah. But then she did go on to become a housewife. Not that there's anything wrong with that at no, all. No, but she
1: still kind of, like, obviously with, like, keeps those beliefs in her and has transferred them to her daughter. Right. I mean, and... But then she marries Homer, which is kind of like... Oh.
0: Well, I <laughs> mean, I think that that's kind of a... Me. a homie. me. I think that that's kind of a a thing that a lot of second-wave feminists kind of fell into. Yeah. Like They could recognize that there was inequality amongst the sexes, but when it came to kind of pushing and doing any more intense activism work, they didn't really do that. And you can kind of see Marge sort of not chastise lisa but kind of shake her head like when she said that like you're never going to land a husband with all that sarcasm and lisa goes okay no husband you know
1: like well i think that that's really true with just the the criticism between the waves of feminism when you talk with older generations and things like that too there's still a lot of um conversation about like you know which wave is more legitimate you know right. what I mean? Like, of oh, course. we did all this work. What are you doing now? Right, of way? course. That kind of thing. So there is kind of that weird... I don't want to say competitiveness, but that's the only word that's coming to my head, between the waves and kind of like misunderstanding. Maybe that's the best way to put yeah, it. Yeah.
0: I think that sometimes people feel discredited if you are trying to add on or change something that they've done. It makes yeah. them feel like, well, why wasn't what I did good enough? enough? Yeah. Yeah. You know, when really sense. it's just kind of like an evolution of one thing and yeah. we all just need to be there it's for the bil- ride.
1: It's building blocks. It's right. a ladder. Yeah.
0: yeah. Absolutely. So... Um Lisa is kind of portrayed as really the most moral figure, not only in her family, but also in the entire town of Springfield, mm-hmm. really. And she's, she's
1: like, they are all plebs. <laughs> and she's
0: led completely by her moral compass, yeah. you know, which is something interesting to watch. Because while she is led completely by her moral compass, she is also a very real person who struggles with her own ego, who struggles with wanting to fit in. Mm -hmm. At one point, she develops an eating disorder because she wants to be a dancer. At one point, she starts smoking because all of her favorite feminist icons smoked and she wants to be cool. You know, you you see that in her. You also see someone who is very type A. Mm -hmm. And while that is portrayed on the one hand as a very good thing because like Topanga, she likes that she's an overachiever. It's something that she's kind of proud of. She's proud of being smart. But on the other side of that, you see the negative pitfalls that come with being obsessively perfectionist. You know what I mean? She, at one point, she gets a neighbor who's like better at the saxophone than she is and equally as smart as she is, and she becomes really competitive to the point where she... Kind of goes against her own moral compass out of, like, jealousy and ego and, like, takes her um, her neighbor's school project. Mm-hmm. But she's so haunted, like, by the guilt of having yeah. done that, that at the end of the episode, you know, she completely comes back around, which is right. is typically the way that she is. And is a
1: normal thing that we all do where with competitiveness or jealousy where sometimes we make mistakes and luckily if you're you know that type of person you have a good enough conscience to be able to make it right and always come back to what you believe right and what's true to you
0: yeah and I also really liked with um Lisa she was an example of she was an example that I needed Mm -hmm. of a girl in her family who could make decisions that her family didn't always necessarily agree with or like. Most
1: definitely. And
0: as someone who really wanted to fit into my family and please my family and who had different political leanings and, you know, kind of wanted to try different things but was too scared to do that, it was really cool to see a female character, you know, daughter who was able to stand up for herself in that way. Like I remember the episode, it's a very famous episode, probably the one I remember the most of any episode um that I ever watched the Simpsons is the episode where she becomes a vegetarian. Yeah. Because what happens is she goes to a petting zoo Mm -hmm. and she's still a meat eater at this point and she's petting the lambs and she's like, baby lambs, I love you so much. And then she goes home and Marge makes lamb chops for dinner and she's looking down at her plate and the lamb chop turns into a lamb that starts like bawing and being like, Lisa, don't eat me. And so she, you know, becomes a vegetarian and... Much to her family's chagrin, like, to the point where Homer almost, to spite Lisa, is like, we're going to have a big barbecue cookout. Mm. And you see Lisa kind of stage this protest, like, within her house. Like, she's able to stand up to her parents. And
1: even though her parents are not being accepting originally, I like that they still... It's not It's not a violent reaction. It's not a... I mean, like, it is kind of mean. It's
0: an exaggerated reaction. It's very exaggerated.
1: Yeah. But at the end of the day, I like that they love her even though she's different than them.
0: Right. They always come back around. Homer always learns something, you mm-hmm. know, new about his daughter. Like, you know, Homer's an idiot. It takes yeah. him a long time to yeah. come around. And there's actually something that I kind of wanted to read. From one of the episodes, one of the very early episodes where it's all kind of, like, jankily drawn still. I love it. Where she um, defends Homer. There is an episode where one of the sisters, either Patty or Selma, says something I love them. about Homer and, like, kind of trashes Homer yeah. um, for not being home at Christmas. And let's see if I can read this. And Lisa says... Well, I wish that you wouldn't, because aside from the fact that he has the same frailties as all human beings, he's the only father I have. Therefore, he is my model of manhood, and my estimation of him will govern the prospects of my adult relationships. So I hope you bear in mind that any knock at him is a knock at me, and I am far too young to defend myself against such onslaughts. Oh, so, girl. Yes. it. She defends her father, although he's like, oh, fish. Yeah. And you see them struggle and they have fights. And at one point um, she calls him a baboon because she's so like angry with him, you know. And I actually was reading a Vanity Fair article where it's focused on Lisa, but it's also like half of the articles focused on Lisa, half of the articles focused on Yeardley Smith, who voices Lisa. Uh And um, she had lots of her own issues with, you know, eating disorders and, you know, struggling with perfectionism and issues with her own father. And she said that she worked out a lot of that through voicing Lisa, especially her issues with her dad. She said that she actually started crying after that episode where Lisa calls Homer a baboon. Yeah.
1: You know? I mean, that that makes me think a lot, you know? Yeah. It's interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I can imagine that. It's like your own kind of, like, therapy. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I love it. That's the best thing about art. Yeah. I love it.
0: So um, let me go through some of... Great some, Lisa moments. Some
1: Lisa-isms. Yes, yeah, some
0: great Lisa moments. So there's an amazing episode that I think a lot of people use to highlight Lisa's feminism. Yeah. Whenever she has a Malibu Stacy Barbie, mm-hmm. which is a Barbie, a Malibu Stacy doll, Duh. which is supposed to be like a Barbie-esque kind of doll, and... She gets really excited because for the first time, they're going to put like a voice box in Malibu Stacy so she can say things. She has a voice. And Lisa's really excited. She like builds a podium for Malibu Stacy to speak for the I first time. It. And she's like, We're going to hear Malibu Stacy's voice for the first time. And whenever she pulls the string, she says, Don't ask me. I'm just a girl. Tee-hee, tee-hee. <laughs> she, like, does this little, like, giggle. And Lisa, of course, is super, super disappointed. Yeah. And upset. And she said, millions of girls will grow up thinking that this is the right way to act, that they can never be more than vocus ninnies who, whose only goal is to look pretty, land a rich husband, and spend all day on the phone with their equally vacuous friends. Voxious? Voxious? I don't know. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Uh, my brain isn't working yet. No, I
1: don't uh, know that ta- word.
0: talking about how damn terrific it is to look pretty and have a rich husband. So she goes to the CEO of. Um, Malibu Stacy which is voiced by Kathleen Turner and she voices her concerns to Kathleen Turner and Kathleen Turner is like you know what you're right let's create a Malibu uh, a um, Lisa Lionheart doll (gasps) Lisa Lisa Lionheart and this doll when pressed says trust in yourself and you can achieve anything and it's kind of an interesting episode because it, it's also a comment on capitalism. Lisa, you can tell, really struggles with being ca- anti-capitalist. Yeah. And um, because at the same time that this doll is coming out, little girls are very excited. The Lisa Lionheart doll, this is really exciting. And then Malibu Stacy puts out another doll, the same doll they put out before, but with a new hat. And so it kind of overshines yeah. the Lisa Lionheart doll. Everyone buys this new Malibu right. Stacy with the hat. And so Lisa gets kind of downtrodden about it. Yeah. And then at the end of the episode, she sees just one little girl with a Lisa Lionheart doll, and the episode ends with the girl pressing the button, and it says, "If you believe in yourself, you can achieve anything." And it's kind of like really, really sweet. It's like
1: there's still going to be those girls out there who are
0: right. Like you're you're affecting lives, even if you affect just one life. Yeah, you know. (laughs) And she was really a great example to me of. Feeling like one person could do something because she always kind of felt that way. It was always kind of like her against the world. If no one
1: else is going to do it, I'm going to do it. I'm
0: going to do it. Right. She also, uh, in a future episode, became became the president. Yep. (laughs) Which was uh, also really, really cool to see. Yeah. Lisa was high achieving and managed to achieve those goals in a future episode. I think in that same episode, she also breaks off an engagement. Love it. Because of something that wasn't. It didn't suit her, and Mm -hmm. she was able to realize that and have that kind of realization with herself. Um, She was multifaceted and smart. She was not only, like, a musical prodigy, but she also at one point dresses as a boy to get into um, an all-boy math class, which Mm -hmm. is kind of like a weird thing to exist in the first place. She teaches or she coaches Bart's baseball team. Love it. At one point, she goes to a women's rights activist memorial whenever, in the episode, Mr. Lisa goes to Washington. She plays hockey. She, there is an episode that also deals with, um, the way that we categorize, categorize women based on their hair color because she's blonde. Yeah. Um, which I never really I, mean, I never she's really yellow, understood. Because it kind of looks like she doesn't even have hair. Like yeah, it just it's looks just like her spiky
1: skin head skin
0: goes into her head. Yeah. But she has an episode where she dyes her hair brown because she thinks that no one will take herself uh, take, we'll take her, her seriously, seriously with blonde hair. Mm-hmm. And um she has this quote during that where she says, "We must rid ourselves of these outdated cliches. Not all blondes are dumb, not all fat people are jolly. Would you be do- jolly if you thought Comic-Con was moving to Anaheim, and not all old people are bad drivers? <laughs>
1: Lisa, Lisa,
0: yeah, she's amazing. Um, let me see what else I have here
1: Do <laughs> do." First time I ever made out with a boy was during the Simpsons movie. Oh, really? Yeah. The Simpsons movie was Um, (laughs) so-so. If I'm going to be
0: honest. If I'm going to be honest. I love The Simpsons, but The Simpsons movie is so-so. So, the Simpsons creator, Matt Groening, has described Lisa, and this is from the Vanity Fair article... ...as the only character on the show not controlled by his or her base impulses. More than that, Lisa is the family's and the series' moral center Mm -hmm. and voice of reason. She's a precocious reader, a a preternaturally talented musician, an ardent feminist, a vegetarian, an environmentalist, a Buddhist, a champion of scientific reason, a grassroots activist, an eloquent orator, a fiercely independent thinker, and an all-around bastion of social justice." Democrats are the party of Lisa Simpson, as Senator Ted Cruz put it, <laughs> during February's conservative... I remember that. Yeah, so dumb. I think we talked
1: about that. We did. We did.
0: Yeah. Um, During February's conservative political action conference. Oh, yeah, like
1: it was, he was supposed to, he was saying it like it was an, an insult, right? He was yeah. saying that
0: um, Democrats are the party of Lisa Simpson, meaning that we're all elitists. But actually, like, Lisa is the most compassionate, empathetic, kind everyone-deserves-a-chance kind of person that exists. And then he went on to say... Joke's on
1: you, Ted Cruz. And then he went
0: on to say, and Republicans are happily happily the part of Homer, Bart, Maggie, and Marge. But you know what? I don't even think that's true. Because while, of course, we're supposed to look at Homer as this buffoon, you know... He also has a lot of kindness. I think that all of the well, characters... Well, he's always
1: learning, too. Yeah,
0: all of the characters are always learning. They're always um, growing and developing. So yeah. I'm not exactly sure what point Ted Cruz was trying to make. I mean, he I feel like he's always struggling to relate to the everyman, <laughs> but he has no clue no. like how to do that. Um, so... Yeah, in 1996, the New York Times reported that Lisa was inspiring a sax craze, playing the saxophone, among young girls. Two years earlier, earlier, Lisa had appeared in a feature of Miss Magazine on The Many Faces of Feminism. So she's been around for a good 30 years, and she's grown and evolved and changed in all of these ways. She's very clearly in... um, kind of very tangible, real ways affected young girls from the time that I was a very young girl to now. I think she's continuing to affect new generations of young girls. the great
1: thing about that show, because it's been on for so long, is that it's given the opportunity to evolve and change and grow along with the rest of the world.
0: Right. I mean, and we can talk about the issues surrounding, um, surrounding The Simpsons itself. Right. In that I know... Because of abuse, <laughs> well, child abuse, of course, and and also there was that documentary that came out, which was like the issue, the problem with Papu, uh, with Apu, and its portrayal yeah. of um of Indian Americans, and also being voiced by a white American, Hank Azaria. Yes. So there are definitely things that we consider to be more culturally acceptable when The Simpsons started. Yeah, that is one of the challenges that they're facing. Having been on the air for so long, yeah. is having to kind of grapple with how to that. evolve. How to evolve, yeah. Um, but I feel like in they've done that as gracefully as you can do yeah, exactly. with a show of
1: this type, and, and that's and and like we've said, that's something you have to understand when you're watching these shows. That we have a different set of ground rules and expectations when it comes to TV shows in this day and age, where it wasn't the same back then. You know, a white actor, it didn't matter that a white actor was portraying somebody, a person of color, you know? Or it, that
0: it was, I think
1: the bigger or that it was issue is... that was portrayed racially
0: it, almost, wrong, I mean, right? a little, I would argue that um, Apu is one of the, again, along with Lisa, one of the most sensitive yeah. uh, characters on the show. But it's another example of portraying a Indian American as a... Um, you know, convenience store owner. Yeah. Perpetuating
1: and, stereotypes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Perpetuating stereotypes. Absolutely. Um, But yeah, I mean, that's really all that I have on I Lisa. It. I could really go on and on because, again, there's the show... So there's so much. Because the show has been on for so long. Um, But if you want to learn more, I mean, just Google Lisa Simpson Feminist. I yep. think that there's even a Instagram... That we follow called Feminist Lisa.
1: I love it. Uh, Gonna follow that on my personal page? Y- yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So absolutely. Like look into that more. Encourage your girls to, you know, watch Lisa Simpson. Yeah. If you ever need an example of a great feminist role model who is also a child. Yeah. <laughs> that's a great one to look up to. I love it. What is the Instagram called? I think it's feminist.lisa or something like that. We follow it on our on our Instagram page. I'm sure we do.
1: Here we go. Following.
0: Yeah, feminist.lisa if you guys want to follow love um, the Feminist Lisa page.
1: Love, love, love. Okay, so as we mentioned, I'm going to be talking about Elaine Bennis, and I just recently started watching Seinfeld when I started dating Max. Mm-hmm. I'd seen episodes on TV here and there, and I was like, yeah, it's fine, um, but I wasn't like really into it, and then I started watching it with him, and I was like, I fucking love this show. I watch Seinfeld almost every night. I watched it last night. If I'm not watching Friends at night, I'm
0: watching Seinfeld. Typically. Remember, I used
1: to always love Everybody Loves uh, Raymond. I, I, I
0: still would if it was on Netflix. I I'd still watch, watch that show. Not love,
1: but I I used to go to sleep to that show every night. I, yeah, I kind of rotate my shows. That I'm I I a watch big when I
0: fan. I'm a big fan of like sitcom me shows too. And for especially that. Especially
1: before I go to bed, like I just there's something about that laugh track that just soothes me off to yeah, sleep. Yeah, yeah. I feel that way too. So I, you know, was exposed to Elaine very late, Mm -hmm. clearly. And I was like, you know, at first it's like, okay, yeah, cool. Like, oh, but she's the only woman on the show, whatever. And as I started watching it, the more I was like, I fucking love this woman. She reminds me so much of myself. Mm -hmm. I'm wearing my Elaine Bennis shirt today. Um, I'm all in. So I'm going to talk about her today. She has such... The way that the show handles sex in general, I think for the most part, is really great. Especially Especially when it comes to her. When it comes to Elaine. Yeah. So she is neither the slut trope or the prude trope. She has sex, she likes sex, and it's no big deal. It's just who she is. Yeah, something absolutely. something she does. And in the 90s, it wasn't that common to see a woman so open about their sexuality on television, although we do have a lot of shows where that was starting, And I think that this is definitely part of it, especially when it comes to sitcoms. And if you did see a woman being sex
0: positive, it was almost like in a Samantha from Sex in the City kind of way, right. where it was very far in one direction or the other. It wasn't necessarily yeah. super realistic. Yeah. I mean, that's realistic it was, for some women. Or it was
1: chastised and, right. you know, things like that. And also, um, Friends came out after Seinfeld. And the first episode of Friends, the pilot, Monica sleeps with someone on the first date. And they were worried that that would paint Monica in a negative light. So mm-hmm. they did an interview or, or a survey with the audience before the taping, and they were like, do you feel a a certain way about Monica because she's going to sleep with this guy on the first date? And they were like, no, so they did it. Um, But this was before that, even. And something that I notice a lot in that show is that none of them, except for George, when he's engaged for a little bit, none of them have relationships that last more than like an episode. Right. Well, okay. It should
0: be said, except for her on again off-again relationship with Putty, but it it should be said that, (laughs) kind of as a disclaimer... I think that all of the characters in Seinfeld, including Elaine, although... Are kind of shitty. Although to a lesser extent than the others, are supposed to be kind of the worst people in the world.
1: Oh, for sure. So, I mean... Max described it, he he really likes Always Sunny, I love Always Sunny, but I kind of got out of it a few years ago, where it's like, they took Seinfeld and then just, like, amplified the awfulness of right. the characters. Like they're, they're, they're all kind of people where it's, like, the worst thoughts that you think,
0: and then they play it out. Right. Like, they cannot maintain relationships on Seinfeld mm-hmm. because they're over, including Elaine, they're overly critical. They're right. highly,
1: highly but critical. I like this about her because she, in a way... She's not going to be with anybody unless it completely satisfies what she needs. She does Although not she settle. handles it sometimes in kind of a very judgmental way, very picky. I respect the fact that she's not going to be with someone just to be with someone. She wants to date people. She wants to have. She will never that s- connection. Settle. But she's never going to settle yeah, for anything. I I would argue. Um, Almost
0: to a fault for her yeah, because yeah. she does, like I was just watching the episode where she dates a guy named Joel Rifkin yes. and she's trying to literally make him change, change, his her, name. change his name. Well, because he
1: has the name of a serial killer. Still, but it's, it's not
0: for him. It's, yeah, for, it's her, for her. You yeah. know what I mean?
1: No, she's, she, you know. She's problematic. She's has her shit, but whatever. Yeah. I still love her. I so, do too. Um, so, I love that she, uh, she's got this guy that she's dating is in the hospital and she stops for candy first. Yeah. And she's like visiting him and she's eating candy and he's like you stopped for candy? And she's like, yeah. (laughs) And then that relationship's over. That just made me laugh. She dumped a guy because he thought that abortion was wrong. I really love that episode there. Jerry and Elaine go to a restaurant, and she's saying that she doesn't want to eat there. She didn't want to eat at another restaurant because that company was anti-abortion. And then he was like, well, what about this one? We don't know what the chef's view is of abortion here so when the when the chef comes over because it's like some special meal for them jerry's like what's your view on this and he's like oh i think it's wrong and elaine's just like we're out of here and then all the women in the restaurant are like what what and like all the women like grab their husbands and boyfriends and like get out of the restaurant like we can't eat here leading the way exactly so they go back to the apartment And Jerry's like, and she's dating like the mover guy. And he's like, well, what if this guy who, and she's like, oh my God, he's perfect. He's perfect. Oh my gosh. He's like, well, what if he's against abortion? And she's like, oh God, like I have to uphold that standard to everybody. Of course. So she's in the truck with him and they're like making out and she's just kind of like, oh, so my friend had an abortion and this and that and the other thing. Like, how do you feel about that? And he's just like... I just can't wait till the Supreme Court does something about that to make sure that that ends for good. And she's just like, wah, wah, "Well, this wah. relationship is over. Boy, bye. Thank you. Next." She's also very,
0: um, sex positive when it comes to when it comes to her birth control.
1: That is my next topic of conversation. The sponge. The sponge. So the other thing that I love. My first, our first kind of introduction. I feel that I can remember to Elaine discussing birth control is the episode where Jerry dates a virgin. And she comes in. She's like, my diaphragm. Oh, my God. I left my diaphragm. Do you know what that's like when you don't have your diaphragm? And she's just saying it over and over and over again. And I love that she's speaking about it so openly with, like, her male friend. Even though they did have a relationship, like... That's something that I always do with my guy friends because it's like there shouldn't be a stigma around it, like talking about birth control, absolutely, period. Like yeah, you, yeah. It's, I,
0: I don't shy away from talking about. I'm like, oh, I've got bad cramps, where it used to be something that I used to like whisper in this in secret to other women. I'm right. just like, you know what? No, this is no. a normal bodily function that you guys should know. I'm having to deal with on a daily basis. Exactly, Get over it's it. just
1: part of your life at the moment. And if yeah. they're your friends, it's fine for them to know about it. Right. So she comes in and you know she's talking about it, and it's funny because Jerry's like, oh my god, this woman doesn't have sex. And you're talking about your diaphragm and like trying to relate with her. She feels so bad. She's like, oh my god, I didn't know she was a virgin. And that, that woman kind of was thing. kind of a bitch, though. Yeah. The virgin? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because the way that she handled um, because that's the same episode with the bet, right? Where they're trying to see how long yes. you can go without having sex. Yes, and that yeah. was
1: my that was my next. You're jumping ahead here. So back to the sponge. <laughs> okay, yes, back so, to the sponge. I had never heard of the sponge. So I had to do some research on the sponge, and it was during that time that the episode aired that the sponge was being taken off the market. And I love that it's like the um, – no, I think, it's a, I think it's a different episode. Or no, I'm getting my episodes confused. So in that episode, Jerry's dating somebody who also finds out that, that the sponge is going out. Right. So they're both like, holy shit, we have to get our hands on as many sponges as possible. She stockpiles them. She gets 60 sponges. I love at the end that Jerry opens the closet, and there's just a closet <laughs> full of sponges. Like, that's so beautiful. So Elaine gets 60, and she's dating this guy, and she really likes him, but she's like, is he sponge-worthy? Is oh, he yeah, sponge-worthy? don't want to waste a sponge. I know, and he has to, like, prove it. And then, so they finally have sex, and then, like, he wants to do it again the next day, and she goes, we just did it last night. Like, I have to ration these Yeah, things. listen. There's no way. And she also refuses to use Kramer's cheap, shitty condoms, which I think is really great because birth control wasn't discussed very openly. It was not discussed very openly to me growing up. And I feel like in general it wasn't. And I like that she promotes safe sex in a way. And protecting oh, herself and being okay with that and having that be a normal thing for women to concern themselves with and not rely on the man to deal with it. Um, take matters into your own hands, I think, was a really right. great message. Right, and, and as opposed to
0: George, who in... I think it is that episode, um, does take some of Kramer's, like, shitty condoms. Yeah. And then he goes and has sex with Janice from Friends. Yep. Um, I'm always like, they're in Friends! Yeah. Uh, goes and has sex with Janice from Friends in his kitchen because George is the worst person mm-hmm. in the world. Um, And then that
1: condom breaks, and Elaine is kind of like, well, <laughs> kind of told you so. Well, there you go. And he's like, oh my god, I'm going to get her pregnant. So that leads us into masturbation. So in the episode, the contest, the guys all bet who can go longer without masturbating, and Elaine is like, "Well, why can't I be a part of this?" Like, I'm like I because you're be- a woman, women can go longer. Yeah, and Jerry's like, "It's easier for a woman not to do it than a man." We How did you to? know? It's part of our lifestyle. It's just like shaving, and she's like, "I shave my legs, like you know that kind of thing," but and um, that's another thing is like I did not know what female masturbation was. Me neither until I was an adult.
0: Yeah, until I was in high school. Yeah.
1: Oh, I mean, like, I knew what it was, but, like, it wasn't, but to me, it wasn't something that, like, a teenage girl would do. Like, I never did that when I was in high school or anything like that. I did. Think I did, but I, I, I tried I tried and I was like, this isn't working. <laughs> I definitely
0: didn't call it that. I didn't have any like real understanding of like what it was. Yeah. You know, beyond yeah. like this is satisfying. Like that yeah. you know, like that's it.
1: Yeah. I yeah, I, I definitely tried and was kind of like, well, this isn't working. But <laughs> I don't think I really had a grasp on how to do it, what it was until I was like in my twenties, like my early twenties, like late 18, early twenties right. time. And so it's cool that she spoke so openly about, you know, women taking care of their own needs as well. We don't have to wait for a man to figure out a way to take care of us. Which in which in the time since then has become
0: a very, you know, people talk about that all the time. They're like I don't really need a man. I have my vibrator. Yeah, <laughs> you know exactly. like that's that's
1: become something that's gone. There is gone. still a trope though. Like I mean, I was in a relationship where my boyfriend was weird about me getting a vibrator because it felt like he was being replaced or something. And it's like, no, this is like my time, my thing that I can do for myself. Right. It's a very different. I would challenge him to be like, well, have you never jerked off on your own? Yeah, exactly. Do exactly. you only have sex with me? Well, it was like it would be fine if I masturbated. It was different if I used something to masturbate with. Okay. Which is such a double standard. Yeah. yeah. Don't worry. He's gone. Um, So Elaine surprises everybody that she's like the second person to like be out of the contest. Because isn't it she like. She meets
0: JFK Jr. She meets JFK
1: Jr. Yeah. And he's like into her. She's like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. His butt. And then ends up masturbating and losing. But I just love the whole um running phrase of I'm the master of my dom- good domain and she's queen like, of the castle I'm the queen of the castle <laughs> yeah like it's so funny I, I I would I would argue that being the master of my domain and being the queen of the castle is when I'm doing that yes like, I am the queen um sorry mom so <laughs> so oh that's what that was my next note she's the queen of the castle the master of her domain she has mastered being friends with her ex. Which is something that I've never really been able to do, partially because I've had very controlling boyfriends that don't want me to have any sort of relationship with anybody that I've ever been with at all, but also because I feel like it's always just been really tough to maintain that line between friendship and relationship relationship intimate relationship. That's something that
0: I think is portrayed very positively um, on both of their parts because it cannot be a one-sided decision. And that's the
1: thing. It's like it's not like one person is putting up with it or anything. It's like both of them, there's no jealousy. Right. Jerry Um, is very supportive as well in that way. They talk about their dating life, their sex life, and they openly give each other advice and help each other out. Like, they look for dates for each other. They set each other up with other people. And the other thing that I really like is that Jerry's... Girlfriends, I think there's one episode where the girlfriend has an issue with him hanging out with Elaine. But for the most part, the girls that he's with, whether or not it's been discussed, that they were together or not, don't really have an issue with him having that close of a friendship with a woman. Right. Where I've definitely had that issue where if I'm hanging out with a male friend a lot, where not necessarily the guy that I'm with, but like other people will be like, that's weird. Do you have feelings for him? Is there something going on? And it's like, no, we're just friends. And they show a really healthy male-to-female relationship that isn't shown very often. Even in friends, you know, Ross and Rachel, although they care about each other and are friends, there's always that jealousy when they date somebody. Right. It always causes an issue. Right? Um, there's really no issues when it comes to them. There is an episode, and I rewatched it this morning, where they try friends with benefits. Yes. And I really liked this episode because it shows Elaine very, very human. She gets a little vulnerable, and you don't see her being vulnerable very often. And, you know, Jerry doesn't know what to get her for her birthday as a present, so he gives her cash, and then he doesn't write anything very meaningful in the card, and it shows how it can be really hard to be a friend and have an intimate relationship. Like, what what do you do for that person? What's right. your role? You know, mm-hmm. it does make things very murky.
0: And, and so, But you know
1: what? They work through that issue in a really healthy way. Very. And- well, at first, she stands her ground, and she says... I can't be either. I can't be your friend and I can't sleep with you. She has a really hard time and then by the end of the episode everything is fine. They work thing they work through things, but the fact that she was so honest and vulnerable about it, I think is something that is really important because the girl is supposed to be the cool girl oh yeah, I'm fi- I'm totally fine. I'm totally good. Whatever. Yeah, it's fine. She feels things and knows that what she feels is valid enough to tell the person that she's with, no, I deserve something else or this isn't working for me. Where right. I've been in that position, where I've been friends with benefits with people. Hell, I've been in a somewhat relationship with someone who's still dating and sleeping with other girls and I had to be cool with it. I, there was no way if I wasn't cool with it, I would be the one who was put down
0: right. but you know what? I feel like Elaine is the type of person who, if it meant losing that relationship if Jerry had been that way with her, she would have left exactly.
1: Him. but that's the thing is like I've been I wasn't able to do that in situations. like I think that's a really strong thing to not be worried about being perceived as the cool girl or being cool with everything all the time she has very strong opinions and emotions right and though it's usually shown aggressively and very out there i loved this very vulnerable moment where you know kramer got her the bench she really wants and they're sitting on it and they're talking and she you can just see it in her face and in that conversation where she's just being very real and honest yeah and i really liked that conversation that they had and i'm glad that they were able to work through it The episode that made me laugh is when they're talking about faking orgasms. And Jerry's like, well, did you ever fake one with me? And she goes, yeah. And he's like, how many times? And she goes, all the time. (laughs) And he's like, what? And it's like his mission to, like, get her into bed. I think they do sleep with each other again in that episode. I can't remember. I can't remember either. But... I just thought that was funny because, again, it's something that, like, women do. It's like, you're tired or it's just not happening and you, like, we have this need to, like, please or sometimes just, like, move it forward. Yes. Where it's like, you just fake it. And guys, when they find that out, it's like, what?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think especially in the 90s. I think we've moved on from that a little bit now, but in the 90s, it was such a thing. Between this and like When Harry Met Sally and that whole scene, Mm -hmm. um, it was portrayed as something that men did not believe or understand. Yeah, that you could just
1: fake it. Um, And I just found that interesting because it's like the fragile, like, masculinity that goes along with it, which I can understand if you think you're making someone feel good and then you find out that you're not, you're like, I would feel that. I'd be like, wait, why didn't you tell me? Why couldn't we work through You didn't this? communicate. Yeah. Right. But at the same time, it's kind of like, I've totally done it before. You know what I mean? It's I like, would
0: argue most women have done it before. Yeah, exactly. It's like,
1: even if it's not like you're not intentionally being like... I I don't think I've ever been, like, super over the top and flat out lied, like, during, but, like, definitely push it along a little bit. You
0: move it along. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. So I found that really interesting, too, just men uh, discovering women's behaviors in the bedroom and how they differ from men because, let's face it, men, you have it so much easier for the most part. Like, it does not take much for you to get there. I always joke that my vagina is like a Rubik's Cube. Yeah, you know, I agree. It's just kind of like in every it's day it's going to be a little different and complicated. It's yeah. like, I don't know, just like still feels great. It's still fun. Doesn't mean you always have to cross the finish line. Yeah, it doesn't mean we're it's always going to get there. Yeah, and that, that, Sometimes exactly. that's also okay, you it's know? To- I mean, I'm totally fine with that. Me too. Like, there's more to it. It's not, a, it's not a race. It's not a competition. It's just about being with somebody, for me at least. It's just yeah. about being with somebody and having that experience and... It feels good, whatever. I don't have to get to that certain. I feel like with men, it feels like more of like a stunted, like oh shit, it almost happened but it didn't. Where with women, it's at at least for me, it's a little bit different. I'm sure there are women out there who are like, we are not stopping until this gets done. Right. I, I know. I know women. I know who women are like, who are that. like that yeah. too. Yeah. For me, it's kind of like you know, as long this as fine. As I long feel the as, same as way. the whole ride is good, I'm satisfied. Agree. Agree. It's great. All right. I'm glad that we discussed my sex life. Sorry, Mom, again. Um, She is a career woman, you know? She works a lot of different jobs over the course of the show. And for most of the jobs that she has, she is in some form of, like, higher up or leadership role. And there is a time that she's a boss for a while while her boss is, like, living in the jungle or whatever. Right. Peterman. Peterman. And she's very, like comfortable in
0: that role. And she is striving for more. She Uh is a woman who you see go to work and who you also see striving for more. There because there's one episode where she wanted to be promoted and this other girl like breaks her leg or something Mm -hmm. happens and she gets promoted above her basically out Mm -hmm. of pity. Mm -hmm. And that really bothers Elaine, you know what I mean?
1: She really wants to to be something and do something and she's very passionate about her work and she talks all the time about taking time to do her job because I feel like in sitcoms especially it's like when are you working? I feel when that are way doing about friends sometimes. Yeah, I was watching like, friends, and I'm
0: like, yes, we see them go to work, but I'm like, you guys have more time off during the day than I've ever seen another yeah, person. exactly. Like, I
1: don't have any time off during yeah. the day. What are you doing? Exactly. You know? So I like that we see her have her job be so important to her. And um, she... The thing, and this kind of goes into, like, the career kind of, to me, melds into, like, her fashion very much as well with the way that she dresses. And I feel like um, Julia Louis-Dreyfus said, it wasn't about trying to look sexy. It was about looking like a girl who pushes people around. And... You know, you, today you can dress sexy and still push people around. Like, I'm not saying that there isn't a bit of a problem with that quote, but I like that they portrayed her in being such a way where she was just kind of an every woman, where she was feminine, but then she'd wear her blazers and she would, you know, she looked very professional and take charge and she would change her look all the time, depending on if she's going out, if she's at home. And I like that they showed that where it wasn't just like one woman dressing one certain way all the time. She had a very take-charge kind of style. She wasn't overly girly. She wasn't overly masculine. She was just Elaine, and you can't really pigeonhole her into any sort of thing. And I want all of her clothes. Right. I mean, I told you I have my Elaine blazer. I want an Elaine blazer. Yeah. so bad. I want, like, there's a floral dress that she wears in an episode that I love. I love, like, floral, like... Long. Right. There's a freedom. There's a
0: freedom that comes in wearing something kind of like loose (laughs) and baggy. A lot of her clothes are very like loose fitting and baggy. And in, especially in a time where we saw, no, I guess not in the 80s. There was a lot of loose fitting fashion then, but yeah. There, is also when you watch things like Friends where everything is very, very tight yeah. and, and adhering to your body, there's a freedom in something that's kind of yeah. allows you to
1: be underneath
0: it. Well, I
1: read something, too, where they were talking about her sense of style, and they said that her style showed that she was not concerned with the male gaze. Right. Which I think is really cool. Yeah. And it's something that I always aspire as well. I mean, fucking look at me right now. Like, I'm not dressing because I'm trying to, like impress a man or do anything like I'm dressing because I like the way I look and I'm comfortable right I mean and you know in
0: while we're on that subject I do think that we need to say I don't necessarily as someone who does wear a lot of tight clothes when I go out or a lot of very revealing clothes when I go out or a lot of makeup when I go out um
1: you're still it's, not wearing that though for
0: Absolutely not. So exactly. I also think it's it's something that needs to be pointed out that even if these characters were doing that mm-hmm. um there you can tell by the way something's filmed if it's supposed to be very male gazey, watch any Michael Bay film. Mm-hmm. Um but you should also be able to wear whatever you want without yeah. it being pigeonholed into a male you're doing it for the male gaze. 100%. But yeah. I
1: think because of the time It was important for them to make those decisions with their wardrobe, right? Right. I mean, absolutely. I'm I'm with you on that. I just don't want it to come across that we're saying no, definitely not, definitely not. You should be able to dress in whatever you want, and we both know that it's not for the male gaze. It's not for anything like that. It's because it makes you feel good. Different things feel good. Empower
0: different women. Exactly.
1: Exactly. I love that she just flat out admits that she has no grace because that I'm like, girl, I feel, I feel you. I have none, like. I dated a guy years ago who was like, how do you look so beautiful and graceful on the ice, yet you can't put one foot in front of the other? And I'm like, yep. I know. <laughs> like, I I break things all the time. I trip. Like, I say the wrong thing. And I love that she's very much one of those women, too. And she's going after a job that Jackie, that Jackie O had before. And she's like, oh, the thing about Jackie is she just had this grace. And Elaine's like... I have a little grace to the point where she's like, I have no grace. I have no grace. And I'm like, girl, I feel you. I have none of that. I have no grace. My dad's nickname actually growing up was Grace because he had none. (laughs) So I take after my dad. Um, I love that she like shoves her friends. Like I'm not saying to like hurt your friends or shove your friends. Like we talked about this where we both are like hitters. Right. Right. Not always a good thing, but I like that it was portrayed. It really showed, like, her aggressive nature and, like, how she was as a person being different than just being dainty, which, again, being dainty is fine. There's nothing wrong with it, but I liked that they showed, showed a woman like that. Um, she's loud, she's outspoken, she's always herself, and if you don't like it, that's too bad. Yeah. You know, she goes, there's the episode where she starts hanging out with, like, the alternative, like, Jerry and George and Kramer, and, like, the alternative Jerry gets tickets somewhere, she's like, get out, and pushes him, and he falls, and they're, like, not okay with it, and she's like, okay, these are not my people, um... And, I mean, but also don't just shove people no, like don't, that. <laughs> just like, don't shove people. But, like, I feel like the, symbolically, you know, that's just kind of who Elaine was right. and her friends were cool with that. So, although, you know, we don't see her female friends a lot, I like that she still has a love for the other females in her life. I love the episode where she's in the restroom and we don't know it, but it's Jerry's date in the stall next to her. And Can't she spare asks, a square. Can't spare a square. And she's so upset. Like... Are you kidding? You can't spare... No sister solidarity there. square? Yeah, yeah. Ridiculous. I love that. And And she does, like, she tries to, like, set her friends up, and, like, she does seem like a girl that I would love to hang out with and be friends with, and she does seem like a really good friend, even if the writers don't continue with the stories of her and her female friendships. I love that Elaine isn't worried with the aspect of marriage or babies. In fact, they make fun of their friends with babies a lot. Um, and it's just not who she is. You know, none of the characters ever get married. You know, they try to, like, be those people, and that's just not who they are. And I think that that's really refreshing, too, that there isn't this on-again, off-again relationship arc. There's none of this, Well, like, there is with Putty a little with bit. With Putty a little bit. But at, for the most part, it, it's it's a very—she's a very independent person when it comes to her life and in her relationships. That I think is a really healthy thing to show. Again— There's nothing wrong with being the other way around. I am a serial monogamist. I get it. But it is nice to see on TV to have somebody who doesn't want kids and maybe doesn't want the traditional lifestyle and wants to focus on other things and having that be okay. Right. I I really like that about her. I
0: agree. Um, Yeah, I think that Seinfeld... Seinfeld's an interesting one to me. I think yeah. we could do an entire episode on on problematic TV faves when it comes to Seinfeld oh, because there's, there's a lot of there's shit a that's lot wrong. of stuff that's wrong with that show. It it portrays this really weird white version of New York that I think is very problematic. Yeah. There's only a person of ca- of color on that show when they're being used as a plot device. Yeah, the lawyer. Um, I love the lawyer. There's the episode where Elaine is very preoccupied with whether or not her boyfriend is black, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which can be seen in mm-hmm. kind of a problematic way. Um, but overall, overall, I think... Elaine was a really good example of yeah. not, well, you maybe know,
1: not the show in general, but Well, I mean, and
0: even Elaine, even Elaine, I love Elaine and I'm with you completely. I I love Elaine. I remember when that thing was going around years ago on Facebook where it's like pick three fictional characters who describe you. Elaine, yeah. Elaine was one of mine. Um because I do feel very similarly to her in yeah. a lot of ways. Um I do think she represents a kind of third wave feminism that we've now categorized as a bit of white feminism. Yes. Um, but you can see her trying to be intersectional in like she goes, she's the best man, quote unquote, at her lesbian friend's wedding. Yeah. And she tells an older woman on the, on the train that, and the older woman is like kind of disgusted by it. Yeah. But she still, you know, was able to say that. Yeah. Um, and you can argue that her being preoccupied with whether or not her date was black, although that's kind of problematic, you can tell that it might be more of a preoccupation with not knowing rather yeah. than a preoccupation with being upset
1: that he. Exactly. Is. Exactly. The one episode I remember that I was kind of like Elaine, get over it. Was when the woman didn't wear a bra, so she gifts her right. with a bra for her birthday. And or she just wears whatever. the and then bra. She just wears the bra, and like then and Elaine's upset about it. And then George it. gets in a car accident because of the bra or whatever. And but Elaine, in, but in some ways it. It paints
0: Elaine as a kind of real person, yeah. who has insecurities because that's that kind of being upset at another woman in that way and being petty about it is rooted in insecurity. Yeah, you know what and I mean? it isn't,
1: and it is a very normal thing that we go through, and it's something that I've gone through. And you have to check yourself on why you feel a certain way about what a woman is or isn't wearing, or comes, is or isn't doing. Yeah, or- exactly. So I feel like. You know, you can't be perfect all the time. Right. It's humanizing. Yeah, I think so, too. The life. I agree. And I'm like, man, today you can just wear a bra and a blazer and it's like, whatever. Like, no one even, like, bats an eye at it. I
0: don't wear bras on the weekends almost ever. <laughs>
1: like I do have a bra that's lace that I had... Um, kind of altered from when I did hair so it's got like little like silk pieces over the boobs and then it kind of goes the lace cuts down a little bit so it's almost like a crop top Uh and in the summer I wear that with a skirt all the time because it's so hot out. Yeah, no, I
0: wear I wear things that you know all the time. Things yeah. that are sheer, things that are... Things where my boobs or are no, out. Or no bra at all, and I yeah. kind of had to get over, like, you know, I'm like, I don't care if you see my nipples, started that's your problem. To wear,
1: I never wore bras, but I've ha- I've started to wear bras more when I started nannying again, because it's just something that I feel like, especially just working around, like, I feel like that's men. different. I I don't not wear a bra to work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, I used to just always not wear bras, but whatever. It's fine. But I also, what I really like about Elaine is, like, while she is portrayed very much as one of the guys, she is always very strong in her convictions. She's one that points out the issues that her male counterparts she does. have with women and with their relationships and their lifestyles. And she really is one of the more put-together people on that show. And I think that she could pass... She's the most yeah, put-together person on that show. You could pass her off as being one of the guys or anything like that. But if you really look into her character, she shows such strength and character development Agreed. and um, originality that I think is is a really great, wonderful thing. About uh, I agree. I'm I agree. Really, if anyone can find her glasses that she wears online. I'm sure you can. I've looked and I can't, they, there's ones that they call the Elaine, but it doesn't, it's not the tortoise shell. I want a pair of like the oval tortoise shell glasses. If any of you listeners find them online. Hit your girl up at she's mad again on Instagram and send me a link (laughs) to those glasses because I want them so bad. So, yeah. That's Elaine Bennis. Well, awesome. Yay! Awesome. Awesome.
0: Um, well, we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We always enjoy talking about these characters. Yes. Um, I think it's really important to do these. Not only are they fun for us to do um, feminist characters or problematic movies or uh-huh. problematic TV shows or whatever, but it's also very important to talk about the media that we consume because yeah. media so greatly shapes our lives and our world and our culture and and being able to see yourself represented in any kind of positive way is really important. Um, So I think that these episodes can be kind of important as well. I think they're
1: really important. And I I love when we talk about... Specific characters, specific shows, specific movies, and kind of dive into them and, and kind of, like, you know, go in with, like, a fine-tooth comb and nitpick a little bit and dive into why or how these shows affect I think picking
0: is important because, important because of that, because of the way that things are represented, it matters. It does matter. Um, it does. But anyway, if you would like to let us know who your favorite fictional feminist favorites are, please go ahead and email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram and let us know at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. You can get us on Twitter at Yamp Podcast, Y-A-N-F Podcast. And you can also find us on Facebook, both our business page and our um, group. If you would like to leave us a review, please do so on either our Facebook page or on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out.
1: Helps us out so much. And you will be featured on Reviews Day Tuesday. Yay! I want to remind you guys, too, we are now doing Feminist Pet Friday. We got one today of a horse named Yoko. Did I know, you see I'm very that? Excited. I was like, oh my god, your horse's name is Yoko. That's amazing. Yeah, my really next cute. pet is gonna be Yoko for sure now. <laughs> um so she'd be a fun one to talk about. So Please send in photos of your pets, give us their name, give us a little something about them, and we're going to come up with some sort of quirky caption and post them for Feminist Pet Friday so your pets can be featured. I think that's I so love much fun. I love the picture that we used of Matilda because yes, she looks so
0: annoyed. The most like,
1: Matilda, like, if, if I think of Matilda, it's just side-eye. Like, when
0: I took that picture of her, you could tell that she was just like, why the fuck did you wake me up for this? Yeah. Like, I don't want you to be taking pictures of Mommy, me right now. No. Um, Mommy, no. Mommy, <laughs> no. Which is is so her yeah um and in else. Our, oh, uh, ask me anything please yes. send us your ask me
1: anything we've gotten so many good questions we have really I just good questions an email this morning that i'm so excited about all the questions we got yeah literally ask us anything that's right don't overthink it don't any you know don't think that it has to be some perfect question ask us about podcasting ask us about feminism ask us about our friendship about personal likes and dislikes ask us opinions on things Whatever you want to ask us, we ask us things that you want advice on. you know, anything like that uh, we are willing to receive and talk about on the episode. I'm so ex- I'm getting more and more excited about it every time we get another question. I think it's gonna be such a great episode. I really hope that you guys all enjoy it too. Um, please continue to send in coming out stories, motherhood stories, sister solidarity stories. I would like to do another coming out episode next. Um, yeah, w- next time we have.
0: Pride Month? Pride Month. Yeah, yes, my I think God. That,
1: I think that continuing, we are going to kind of continue with our trend of representing the months as they are, you know, Women's History Month. Black and History Black Month. Black History Month and all that kind of stuff. We're going to try to mix it up a little bit. So it's not just exactly the same thing that we did last year, but we are always going to honor those times. So if you want to get ahead of the game a little bit and send us anything like that, ideas, stories, uh, go ahead and send them in. Email and Instagram, great ways to get a hold of us. And I guess with that being said, we encourage you to to rage on. on. Bye. Goodbye. I've got a pee.